Well, thank you, Daniel, and good afternoon, everyone. God promised Abraham the earth. Um, the slight inaccuracy in that statement there, which I, I will confess to, uh, but I thought that the, the statement of God promising the earth and we can have a part of it would maybe grab your attention a little bit more. The inaccuracy is that God actually promised Abraham the land, um, a specific land, uh, but we can have a part in the promise that, that God gave to Abraham. So what I want to do this afternoon with you um, is to look at who was Abraham, who's also known as, as Abraham, uh, in, in the chapter that we read there, Genesis chapter 12, he's called Abram, uh, not till later is he called Abraham, but we'll, we'll call him Abraham for the, for the, the sake of this afternoon. Uh, we'll look at what he was promised by God, uh, and we don't have too much time at our disposal, so we won't actually look at every single promise that God made to Abram, uh, Abraham, but uh, th- if you want to know where they, all these promises are, uh, come speak to me afterwards and we'll look at the, the ones that I've missed out. Um, we'll consider whether the promises came true and finally we'll, we'll have a think about, well, how does that apply to us? Where do we come in? So, first of all, I just want to give you a sort of reinforce where Abraham, come, Abraham comes uh, in Bible history. If we start from today, we, we go backwards, uh, back from the year 2000 back to the time of Jesus. So 2000 years back, we get to Jesus. Uh, the thousand years before that, we, we have Bible characters that are well known, both David and Daniel. Um, Daniel in the lion's den, David who slew Goliath. Um, these are stories uh, and accounts that are well known uh, in the Bible. And they, they, they happened 3,000 3, years ago. Um, sorry, uh, go the right way. Uh, another thousand years back from there, and we come to Moses, who was involved with Egypt and the plagues and the wilderness, and, and, and there's Abraham in that thousand years as well. Uh, and in terms of Bible history, we go back another 2,000 years um, sorry, I'm, uh, my finger keeps on hitting the wrong button. Uh, that was the picture I wanted to show you. Um, back in the 2000 years, we get the beginnings of the Bible story, the beginnings of the Bible narrative uh, with Adam and Eve. So we're looking at a 6,000 year span there. Uh, to get to Abraham, we're 4,000 years back from where we are. So, who was Abraham? We've been introduced to him in this chapter. um, But if we go back into chapter 11, uh, we get a little bit more information about uh, Abraham. Uh, So, chapter 11, verse 31. uh, There's a man, Terah, who took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So they, 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 they moved house. Um, if, if, we, if we look at it, um, you know, we might ask, well, well, why did he travel? What, what was the reason for the travel? Well, we've read that in chapter 12. Because... The opening verse in chapter 12 says, The Lord had said to Abram. Okay, so we're given the account that he moved from out of the Chaldees, his hometown, his home, home province. 
he, he moved from there to Heron uh, with his father Tira. Um, but we're given that explanation in chapter 12, verse 1, that it was because God had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So he was on a pilgrimage, not on a pilgrimage, on a journey uh, to somewhere that he didn't know about. It was indeterminate. You just go, go. God will show you. And so what I've said there is that by faith, by travelling, Abraham was showing his faith in God. God said, go, I will show you something special, a place. And there were more things that hung on that action. Verses 2 and 3 uh, give more, more of that. We'll come to that in a minute. Just to, to look here to show you what, how much of a journey that was. There's the Middle East, the Mediterranean to the, to the west. Uh, to the left-hand side of the, the, the picture here, the land that today we would see as being Israel and Syria uh, and, and across to the east. So it's right in the east there in Ur of the Chaldees um, that Abram and his, his family were. And they travelled from there initially uh, moving on to Haran, which is in the north there. And that's where we, we got them at the end of chapter, well, really at the beginning of chapter 12. Um, and he, he was still not knowing where he was going at that particular stage. But let's have a look at the, the, the rest of the promise that God gave to Abram in this passage. Chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. We've read verse 1. Um, so if you move to a land that I show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. curse him who curses you. And in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is quite a, quite a staggering promise. That if Abraham did something that God asked him, he was going to have an impact on every family of the earth. That's staggering, isn't it? By showing his faith in God, God was prepared to do something for every family of the earth. They would be blessed in some way. So, Abram journeyed, uh, he journeyed on. They left Haran. And they came further down. We, we were reading that in, in this chapter. Um, we've just seen chapters, verses 1 to 3. Let's go down to verse 7. And, and we're told there that Abram gets to the land of Canaan, as it was, as we saw in the map there. Uh, verse 6 tells us that he got to the land where the Canaanites were. And God said, verse 7, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now it says there that it, it, was, it was a land to be given to his seed. Um, we, we can read on in, in, the, in the other passages. I'll give you two. Well, we actually we're going to go and have a look at another part of the promise being revealed to him. And it actually applies to himself. But here it says... 
I'm going to give you, give this land that you're standing on now, it's going to be given to your descendants, um, the land that was then called Canaan. Let's read on then, because Abram continued to trust in God and to do what God had asked him to do. Chapter 13, I just go into verse 12. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of uh, the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. So, so the land had got, the, the, Abram and Lot had so many flocks of sheep and animals that they had to split. Uh, and this is what they had done. Um, they went separate ways. And we go down to verse 14. After they had split. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him. Lift now your eyes. Look uh, now and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. So Abraham definitely promised the land. And to his descendants and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. And so he's told to get up and walk, explore the land. Walk through its length and its width. See what I'm going to give you. So Abram uh, does that. And yet, he's still acting in faith, because he's got... This land is going to be given to his descendants. But if you read round in the whole narrative, he doesn't have any family. He's been separated. He separated himself from Lot. God said, leave your father's house. Well, his father had died in Haran, which is one bit that we didn't, uh, I didn't particularly identify to you. But if you read the narrative again, you'll find that Terah died in Haran. They moved on with, Ab- Abram moved on with Lot, who was of his father's house. But then he separated from him. So at the point where God said, I'm going to give you this land, walk through it, and your descendants will get it after you. He didn't have any descendants. He didn't have any sons. He didn't have any daughters. Yet Abram, as he is at this time, he continues to trust in God and to do as God asked him to do. He shows his faith in his life. We might say that there are some problems as we go along with the promises. We can see in the short time scales that some things don't always seem to go to go right, if you like. They do come all right, but there were twists and turns that Abram had to deal with uh, in, in his life. Um, we're going to be going into to chapter 15. I just want to give you a bit of the background uh, what's happening here. By the time we come to read chapter 15, we've passed over a a narrative where a king called Kedaliomer had his armies and had come against the area where Lot and his family had been living. Uh, Cut a long story short, after having put the land under that area under tribute, having extracted taxes from them and everything else for a period of 12 years, the people in, in Sodom and the surrounding cities said, we've had enough of this. 
we're going to rebel. We don't want to be paying these taxes. Uh, and so they gathered their army and fought against Kedarliomer and his troops. Well, things went bad for Lot and the other people of Sodom and the other places uh, around there. Uh, and Kedarliomer and his armies overcame them and carried away the booty, carried away the people uh, northwards. Abram stepped in and rescued Lot and all the other people and all their stuff. Um, and the narrative tells us that Abram didn't want any of the plunder that had been recovered. But when we come into chapter 15, he didn't want a man's reward because he didn't want man to make him rich. That was his explanation. But we come into chapter 15 and the first verse tells us that God says to Abram, the Lord says to Abram in a vision, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. You've rejected the awards that man can give you. The riches that man can give you. God says, I'm your reward because of the faith that you've shown in me in behaving as I would want you to behave. Um, but Abram's perplexed. Because he says, well, I know you've promised me something. Verse 2. But what will you give me, seeing I'm childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Somebody that was his chief servant. You've given me no offspring, verse 3. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. If I asked you to go outside just now and count the stars, could you? I think that's what Abram was asked to do. Broad daylight, go outside and count the stars. And God said, that's what your descendants are going to be like, as numerous as that. Narrative tells us that Abram believed God. He knew that when it came night, he would be able to see all these stars. He knew they were there, although he couldn't see them. Once again, he expresses his faith in the practical things of life and in what God said. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. God said, you're being right. Because you believe me, you're trusting me, you're showing your faith. Even though you haven't got it in the here and now. God was promising him something that was future. And Abraham absolutely trusted in that promise. And he was asking God, what will you have me to do? Let's go down the chapter a little bit further. Because we might say that there's, there's some more problems coming along here. 
remember the descendants are to inherit the land verse 13 Genesis 15 verse 13 then God said to Abram know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years and also the nation whom they serve I will judge afterward they shall come out with great possessions so Abram's descendants weren't going to have immediate possession of the land they, they, they were going to be somewhere else so God's saying the promise that I'm giving you is even further ahead in time than you might think but still Abraham uh, Abram believes um, we, we also find just reading on beyond verse uh, 14 into verse 15 as for you you shall go to your fathers in peace you shall be buried at a good old age so what's happening to the promise Abram's doesn't sound like he's getting the land is it he's going to die and yet God still holds to the promise that he's given before. He gives more detail about it. Verse 18 says, To your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the river, to the great river, the river Euphrates. So, so the land gets defined. So God's promise is still there. But the route to the promise is being fulfilled, as I suggest, taking Little twists and turns that we might not have expected. Maybe Abram didn't expect them either. Yet, he held out in his faith. God had promised, and Abram believed that it was going to happen. Still, he had no son. Still, he had no heir. So let's move on to chapter 17. And there's a challenge to Abraham, but it's also to to Abram as he's currently known. In verse 1, Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Uh, And so God has seen what Abram has been like and he's continuing to ask him to be like that. To walk before God and be blameless. God says I will make my covenant with you. Uh, And so we read down um, verses 5 to 8 are particularly important to us it involves his name change and the reason for it and an extension to promises no longer shall your name be called Abram but your name shall be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations and I will make you so God had made him a father of many nations 
And he was going to make him fruitful. So a future thing. So he's already a father of nations in God's mind. And the future holds uh, exceedingly fruit, an exceedingly fruitful uh, set of people coming from him. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in, your, in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. God said, I, I, I've got something for you that is going to last forever. Yet we read that Abram was going to die. So God is still absolutely firm in his promise to Abram. An everlasting covenant. And yet we see some challenges. How, how's, it going to, how's it going to play out? Well, we get a little bit of a help here. First of all, descendants, a son. Chapter 17, verse 15. God says to Abraham, he's got his new name, Abraham now, a father of many nations. As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. The same as God had said of Abram, Abraham uh, back in verses 5 and 6. So God promises. Abram finds it incredible. He falls on his face and laughs and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man that is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. We've skipped over some of the narrative. There was a son born of a Sarah's servant. But God says here, Well, this is who Abram is asking about. God gives an answer to him in verse 19. God says, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I, will, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, and I will make of him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac." whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. So there was a promise and a covenant, a bond, a special relationship that would come through Isaac, the son that was to be born uh, as promised. So we ask the question, did these promises come true? Turn over to chapter 21. Verse 3 tells us very plainly, Abram uh, called 
the name of the son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, calls him Isaac. Just as God said. So it happened. The promise came true. What about the land? Chapter 23. Sarah lives on, Abraham lives on. In chapter 3, we find that Sarah dies. And we go to the end of the chapter and we find that it wasn't Abraham's land. He had to buy a plot to bury his wife. Verse 16 Abraham listened to Ephron. Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had. Named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, currency to the merchants. So the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field uh, that were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth. Abraham had to buy it. God hadn't given it to him at that point so there's another little challenge in terms of the promises and in fact God's word is quite clear that Abraham didn't get the promises not in their entirety uh, Hebrews chapter 11 But I don't want you to give up hope and say that I've got to the point where I've said the Bibles can't be trusted. I want you to stay with me because God absolutely can be trusted. Just the way that promises what God has said comes about may not be the way that we think it's going to come about. God has bigger things in store as well. So so let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. And the record agrees with what we read in Genesis. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he should receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. He didn't have it. It wasn't his. It was a land of promise. And the writer of the Hebrews confirms it was a land of promise. But he was dwelling as if he was in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For, and here's the reason, for he waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. He knew that God had something bigger in store. He knew that God was going to give him something at some point. Didn't know when. But he was... Living his life in faith. Doing as God wanted him to do. Living by faith. And we go down. uh, Just skip on through 11 and 12. We come to verse 13 which says. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises. But again we've got to read on. Because it's not 
a bad end to the story. It says they hadn't received the promises, but having seen them afar off, they were assured of them and they embraced them and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They were on a journey still, on a journey still to the city that God was building. And it wasn't just the physical land uh, that was there. So, what else is there in it for Abraham and these people? Why were they not given it at that time? We'll go down to the end of the chapter and verses 39 and 40. This is where we start to come in. All these... So all the people who, in this chapter 11 in Hebrews, deals with people who trusted God, who showed their faith in God by the way that they lived. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, they did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Remember the promise that was made to Abraham said that in him all nations of all families of the earth could be blessed. We get a hint of that being expanded here. God having provided something better for us that they without that they should not be made perfect apart from us. There's an opportunity for us to be involved. And I want to just go briefly try and find out and to show you where we come in, where we can become involved in these promises that were made to Abraham. There's a rather interesting statement that Jesus made early on in his ministry. He was speaking to the leaders and the religious leaders of the time In Matthew 3, verse 9, he alludes to the fact that they were very proud of the fact they were descended from Abraham. And the promises to Abraham were to him and his descendants. So they had the promises to Abraham. Jesus says, verse 9, chapter 3, Do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. He's saying you're thinking about your natural heritage. God wants you to think about more than that. Because if you're not right before God, then God's able to make his promise come true. He he could raise up children to Abraham. From these stones. So you don't have to be a Jew. Putting it in our language. You don't have to be a Jew. To be right with God. To be able to inherit the promises that were made to Abraham. So how does that come about then? Well we go back to the beginning of the New Testament. Just back a page. Very first words. Of the New Testament. Which 
by the way, tell us that the Old Testament is very important. Because it's the book of the story of Jesus, the book of the life of Jesus, of the ancestors of Jesus, who was the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Jesus is descended from Abraham. Jesus is critical to the New Testament message, to the gospel message. And we're going to go to two more passages in the New Testament before we finish to show how Jesus can link us up with the promises to Abraham. So the promises that were given to Abraham, we can have a part. And here's how it becomes possible. Romans chapter 4. Quite a long passage here. And I'm not going to attempt to explain it all. But we'll read through and try and pick out the salient messages. Romans chapter 4, begin at verse 13 takes us right back to the promises made to Abraham. The promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If we read more of the the, the message to the Romans, we, we find that the writer Paul is saying, the Jews trusted in the law, but actually the promises came before the law. Um, and so he works on that premise and he says it's through the righteousness of faith it was because Abraham went out and counted the stars believed that the fact that he couldn't count the stars showed how great how numerous were going to be his descendants remember it said it was his faith was counted as righteousness. Here Paul expresses it as the promise was through the righteousness of faith. For if those who were of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. You see again the words of Jesus saying, don't think you've got to be physically related to Abraham for the promises to hold and in fact that's no guarantee that the promises will, will hold for you even if you are physically related to Abraham the law brings about wrath verse 15 for where there is no law there is no transgression therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith, of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And so Paul's emphasizing that it's not the physical descent, not the legal binding bit of the law, but it's those of the faith of Abraham. Those who express the same faith and trust in God as Abraham did then it's, that's the criteria for inheriting the promises. 
As it is written, verse 17, I have made you a father of many nations. That's of Abraham. And so he is the father of us all in the presence of him who he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God gives life to the dead, says Paul. Resurrection from the dead is how Abraham and those others of faith will receive the promises that they didn't receive in their lives. If we remember what was happening in Hebrews chapter 11, we were told that they didn't receive the promise separate from us so that we might be able to receive the promises with them. So they have to be brought back to life. And here the writer is bringing that out here, that God who gives life to the dead calls those things which do not exist as though they be, who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. Speaking of Abraham now, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And so, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. The more God told him about what was going to happen, even though it seemed impossible, the more he believed God. He showed his faith. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And here's the bit that's important for us. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him faith as righteousness, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offences and was raised up because of our justification. So if we believe in God who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, we can be party with Abraham in receiving the promises. If our faith is counted as righteousness. We go on to Galatians in chapter 3. Turn on a few pages. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Galatians chapter 3. We go in at verse 22. The scripture has confined all under sin. Our futures are all restricted because we disobey God. Fundamentally, mankind disobeys God, sins. That's what it says. But we're restricted by that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. 
Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. If I can maybe put that a different way, a slightly different way. The law was there to show us how impossible it was to do everything right. We could never completely fulfill the law, obey the law in everything. So we could never be right. There was a need for the Son of God to live a perfect life, to, be, to give his life without sin, that God might say, I can raise him from the dead and through him give life to others. And this passage in Galatians gives us a, a summary of how that happens. So, the, verse 24, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. And he's speaking to believers here. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither therefore Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I suggest you go back and read the whole of Galatians chapter 3. Read the whole of Romans chapter 4. The conclusion I come to is that Paul is telling us that faith, the faith that Abraham had, the faith that was counted as righteousness, is what we have to have. God says our sins can be forgiven in Christ if we are baptised into him. If we believe that that can happen, if we can believe that the other things that God tells us to do and that God promises, if we believe these things and try to live by them, if we try to obey God as Abraham obeyed God and God said, get out of the land, live as if you're not part of that country, he lived as a stranger in the country that had been promised. God says, we've got to do a bit the same. But if we are in Christ, having been baptised into him, having put on Christ, as it says in verse 27, then if we are Christ's, then we are Abraham's seed and we can have a part in the promise that was made to him. A promise that goes way beyond what we can imagine. Abraham is going to be raised from the dead to inherit the land that he was promised, to inherit it forever. The rest of the Bible goes on to say how that fundamental land that Abraham was given is the centre of a kingdom of God on earth. And it's going to fill the whole earth. We can have a part in that promise. So Abraham and his descendants, they were promised the land forever. They died without getting the promise. And so we've concluded that they have to be raised from the dead to receive that promise. 
That's all this. God can raise the dead. He raised his son, the Lord Jesus, from the dead. And he has promised that he will raise others who have put their trust in him. Jesus is descended from Abraham. And we can be baptised into Jesus. An expression of our faith. The faith that Jesus showed in his father, the Lord God. If we have faith in him, we can become heirs by faith in Jesus and baptism into Christ. And so comes that part that was promised to Abraham. There's an opportunity for every single one of us. If we take it, we will be part of that promise and thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Yes, God promised Abraham the land. We all can have a part. The choice is there for us to make.